Blog Talk Radio. Happy New Year and welcome to the first show of 2017. You're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me at noon next Wednesday when my guest will be Leyland Hazelwood from Dimpex, Inc. We will be discussing expanding into African growth markets. To learn about our future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com, and please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Harry Pritchett. We will be discussing reinventing yourself in midlife. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Harry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bruce. It's great and greatly honored to be the first show of 2017. Well, it's our pleasure. Why don't we begin, as always, tell us about yourself and your company. Well, as you mentioned, I am uh, Harry Pritchett. I am a certified professional coach, and I work specifically with successful midlife professionals who are in career transition and are seeking reinvention. So that's it in a nutshell. All righty. What is midlife? How do you define it? Well, uh, the Oxford Dictionary defines it as the central period of a person's life between around 45 and 60 years old. And uh, although that is the age range generally uh, of the client that I work with, um, it's more about a type of wall a person hits with their careers and their relationship to it. So whether it's a 40-year-old or a 55-year-old, most of the people that come to me are asking themselves the same question, which is, why am I doing what I'm doing? And uh, people hit different types of walls. So there's the, I've been working in the same job for 30 years, and if I go on one more day, I'm going to lose my mind wall. There's the, I need some more meaning in what I do wall, and there's the, I've been let go after 25 years. Now what the hell am I going to do, Wall? And those are just a few examples. Now, why would someone, you've answered it in a way, but why Mm -hmm. would someone need to reinvent themselves? Uh, Good question. I'll give you two examples of clients that came to me to reinvent their careers. The first one is a very successful plastic surgeon, has his own practice, or had his own practice. About a year ago, he hit a wall and realized he didn't want to keep doing what he was doing because something inside of him desired to be challenged in a different way. He didn't know exactly how or why, but he knew deep in his heart that something had to change. Now, another client was a senior executive in the entertainment business. He was let go due to downsizing. He was faced with the what next wall. So these are two examples of individuals, one in his late 40s, the other in his early 60s, that hit their own type of wall. And they both realized they didn't just want another job, but something that brought them more meaning and fulfillment. I believe many people in life, but 
it takes a certain type of person that wants to jump into reinvention. You know, it's not for everybody. Why don't you define for us what you mean by reinvention and differentiate between that and a classic midlife crisis, so to speak? All right. Um, well, when I think of midlife crisis, I think of an emotional state that someone is experiencing. Okay, career reinvention is a choice, an action someone takes to move forward in their lives and their careers. And as a coach, that's how I can be of help. Um, you know, the emotional state of midlife crisis, that would be more in the wheelhouse of a, a therapist. Well, if they're stuck let's in look. It, that is. Let's look at that for a minute. You've mm -hmm. got, I like how you put it, emotion versus choice. Now, let's just say that the client comes to you, and mm -hmm. I've had this happen countless times, so I'm sure you have as well, and they say they want to make a change mm -hmm. for whatever the reason is, and it becomes clear after a while that they're fa that they know what they want to do, they believe they can do it, they have a plan, it's coherent. The problem is is that their family doesn't support them. Usually the spouse, because we're talking midlife, usually the spouse, sometimes the spouse and the children, sometimes the children just don't care. Mm -hmm. How do you cope with opposition from a family member? Well, in terms of the client-coach relationship, I am there to serve the agenda of the client. And if that comes up in their agenda, we tend to it. It's interesting you mention that because one of the exercises I do, and I actually happen to do it with that client who's a um, plastic surgeon, because he had family members. When he first announced that he was making this choice, the first two weeks people were going, are you out of your mind are you crazy? And then, oddly enough, three or four weeks later, people were whispering, I wish I had the guts to do what you were doing. But I have an exercise called a meta, meta plan, which basically um, answers those questions. So the client is um, including people in this choice. Now, they have to go through their own process in dealing with this. Now, clearly, if it becomes too much of a strain... Um, then they may, you know, that may not be the right choice for them. But in his case, he's he's discussed it with his wife. His kids are on board. Um, not that they're not having their own issues with it, but they haven't said you can't do this. I think they realize that it's something he has to pursue. You said discussed it with his wife. I thought you said disgusted with his oh. wife, and it <laughs> no. didn't make any sense to me. To no, as okay. far as I know, no, I he's not you. disgusted. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Now, uh, how can someone tell if they really need to reinvent themselves? Well, earlier I mentioned uh, the question of why. Okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? And, and that's a question I think becomes more important in midlife. You know, when we're younger, it seems more about the how. How are we going to get a job? How are we going to make money? How are we going to afford a home? And that's not to say that how isn't still important when we're older, but the why 
um, seems to become more important for many people. And, you know, those people that can identify the importance of that and take action to pursue it, those are the people that need to reinvent themselves. You know, a person can't do it if they're not open and willing. I can't work with somebody that I have to pull along. Um, and, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, initially when I told you, when you asked me what I did, I mentioned I work specifically with successful midlife professionals. And successful, as I define it in that context, means people that know how to go after something. So I'm not working with people where I have to convince them to do something. These are people that are making active choices because they desire it. I had one case where a man came to me and he said, he was also mid-40s, he said, you know, I like my my boss, I like my colleagues, he said, I even like uh, my clients, Mm. but I just need a change. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what new career path I should take. And after a while, it became clear that he didn't need a new career. He just needed new responsibilities where he was. Sure. And I helped him write a proposal to his boss, which was accepted. And he, in essence, invented a new job for himself. That's terrific. And I mean, that that in of itself, what you're descri- <clears throat> describing, mm-hmm. is a type of reinvention within a business, but it took working with you to find that clarity to make that discovery. Well, that's always the thing, that you're uh, so close, you know, I hate to use it, but, you know, you're so close to, to the uh, trees that you can't see the forest. Absolutely. So you need the the outside person, which Absolutely. brings me to another issue. How do you gain the trust of a new client? Generally speaking, I will, if somebody's interested in working with me, I will spend anywhere for from an hour or two before we even start the process getting to know one another, getting to know what their goals are, uh, what they hope to achieve, getting to know one another. But even still, once we start working, it can take four or five sessions to get to the point where we're really getting into a groove before you really start trusting one another. So I guess the answer to your question is time. Hmm. That's interesting. Business. My guest today is Harry Pritchett. We are discussing reinventing yourself in midlife. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so you know so I know you have a question. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Harry, what is the process for reinvention? You said it takes well, four or five sessions. So what do you do exactly? Well, no, actually it takes longer than four or five sessions is more or less, as I was mentioning, to kind of gain trust, and that's on average. Um, I generally, personally, will work with a person at a minimum of six months, and that's twice a month. 
because when you dive into something like this, not only is there an important time element, you know, um, but it's also about, and we'll get, we'll get into this a little further, about acknowledging who you are and saying goodbye to an old identity before you can open up the lens for new possibilities. Um, so I work with people at a minimum of six months. I would say, on average, it can take up to a year before people can really get a sense of a new direction. And that, of course, is all very... It depends on the individual and what they're trying to do. If people like the, the example that you gave, the gentleman uh, that was kind of reinventing himself within his industry, that may take a, a lot less time as opposed to somebody that's making a huge switch. For example, uh, the plastic surgeon that I'm working with um, that's moving in a new direction, which he's not quite sure of yet. So, but before anyone takes a leap into career reinvention, I suggest they seriously consider six what I think are essential ingredients of the process. And they are time, finances, network, creativity, risk, and drive. In fact, this is something that I send to potential new clients before we even start our process because it's not something you can't, can just jump into. You have to really seriously consider these various elements, and you could add to that list if you find something that's equally important. What should be avoided when you're in the reinvention process? What should you stay away from? Well, one of the things I've found people tend to do is to rush the process. And, and I want to just, if you don't mind, go back for a second, because I, one oh, of the things I, I failed to mention was that the actual process itself that I've developed is a four-stage process. So not only does somebody have to consider those, those six ingredients, but then the actual stages of the process, which are letting go, self-assessment, a fresh vision, and a new beginning. And all of those incorporate different exercises and assessments. Um, so now, back to your question of what should be avoided, um, is people tend to rush the process. Now, so imagine for a second you've been in a very specific career for 30 years, and now all of a sudden you're saying goodbye. So you're not only saying goodbye to the actual job, but what comes with the job, the environment, the people, the money, the perks, the status. The reinvention process creates the space for new opportunities and exploration. And this, this can be a scary space for people to be in. You know, people want to fix it quickly and fill that hole because their identity is changing, even being questioned in some cases. Um, so people have a tendency to want to get the quick solution or go to the low-hanging fruit. Well, I could easily do that, or I could easily do that, as opposed to, well, what do you really want to do? And what you really want to do may take a little more time. Let me give you an example. Yeah. And it's a, like the other ones, real examples from my experience. Right. I had a gentleman, late 40s, early 50s, Mm-hmm. who had been in real estate his entire career, was fed up with it, decided mm-hmm. on his own that he wanted to be a paralegal. 
Mm-hmm. He went. He even though you don't have to, he went. He took a course. He got a, a, a accredited certification as a paralegal. Mm-hmm. And then he came to me because he was having trouble getting a job as a paralegal. Mm-hmm. And we had our session, and we did what I do, and we won't get into that this because this you're the guest, I'm the interviewer. <laughs> and what happened was very interesting. After our session, he sent me an email. He said, "I just found this article." About read this. I'm sorry. After we had agreed to his new resume, new cover letter, he sent me an email with a link to an article that he found about resume writing, and asked me what I thought. Mm-hmm. And then every day he would send me another one, and he became totally obsessed about reading articles about how to write the perfect resume, how to write the perfect cover letter. And finally, I asked him if he wanted to be a paralegal or an expert on resumes. And I told him (laughs) to stop reading because everybody has a different opinion. I say to do it one way. You say to do it a different way. And the third person will have their way of doing it. There's just Mm -hmm. there's no end to it. You can spend your entire life reading this nonsense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I told him to avoid articles about resumes and cover letters and to focus on his difficulty, which was networking. Sure. There was something about that, clearly, that he was getting stuck in, which kept him from moving forward. Exactly. So when I finally almost literally beat it into him to stop (laughs) doing research, then he started to progress. Have you found similar examples? I have experienced people that um, will get stuck in something. And in many cases, it can be fear-based. You know, um, in this guy's case... Fear-based. Fear, yes. F-E-A-R. F-E-A-R. You know, and a lot of that is uh, the unknown. Um, but yeah, I've I've had people that are resistant to. Um, I'll give you an example of a client I was working with the other night. He is a guy whose uh, health is declining, and he it is, through our discussions it came up. Well, what are your op- opportunities for early retirement or part-time work? And he said, oh, I, I can't do that. You know, I don't trust those people. I don't. And what we discovered was he, his social um, connection is so intertwined with his work that the fear behind losing that was, was keeping him from pursuing the answer. So, you know, that came kind of just by talking and asking empowering questions which he then discovered, but that's, you know, so clearly he was hitting some blocks, not unlike uh, the guy you were talking about. It's funny. When you said fear, I thought you were going to go in a completely different direction because I had one guy who was, he wanted to be an entrepreneur. He wanted to start his own business. He had an idea. It was coherent, but he was very scared Mm -hmm. because he had never done anything like this before. And, 
I said, I asked him, how do you fear, feel about your, um, your fear? And mm-hmm. he said, being scared is helping me because the way I see it, if I wasn't scared, I'd be crazy. Interesting. I just thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's the, a fine balance there, isn't there? Huh? There's a reason in nature why we're afraid of some things. Sure. If you see a snake, you're supposed to literally be frozen with fear because otherwise that snake is going to bite you. Right. That's but the way the good Lord made mean, us. Fear can also mean, uh, the, you know, the possibility of failure and the unknown. And, you sure. know, that's why a lot of people are very comfortable with the status quo. Whether they, you know, you, how many people do you hear on the subway complaining about their jobs, but they don't consider taking the leap to find something else because that's just too darn scary. So I'll just stay where I am in my kind of sad, dysfunctional, little comfy blanket, as it were. <laughs> now, I have a one-word answer for this, but I hope you're going to give more than one word. Okay. The doctor. Yes. makes his decision. Anybody makes his decision. Mm-hmm. How can they be reassured by you that they're making the right decision? Well, in the coaching that I do, it's more about them being reassured in the sense that... Um, That's what I meant. Right. I mean, only the individual will really know for sure. And, and how do by they the time know? A, well, by the time a person settles on... Look, I can actually... I'll give you uh, my reinvention process as a perfect example. You know, my career had changed, and I was forced with my own wall, which is now what the hell am I going to do with myself? And it took me a little over a year after kind of stumbling and dipping my toe in many ponds before I kind of came across, across the coaching and I knew it. There was no question. The minute I, day one of my training, I was like, this is it. I've found it. Now it was just a question of moving forward with it and making it happen. And I honestly trust that people are going to know it when they find it. It's finding it is the challenge. But it's also very exciting. Feel free to disagree. That's fine. Yeah. My one-word answer to the question yes. of how do you know if um, you made the right decision is sleep. That most people, when they come to me, they mm-hmm. can't sleep. And they'll say, you know, I, I just, I'm not sleeping well. This is bothering me. That is bothering me. And then once they've made the decision, I tell them, if you have a good night's sleep, you know that you made the right decision. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. If you're not going to argue with me, the show's going to end soon. <laughs> you know, we're, we're oh, in a way competitors. We should be fighting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if we started talking about politics, we could fight. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't want to go I, I, there. I had, I had one client, uh, career counseling, job search, not changing career, mm-hmm. just looking for a new job. And she has a very good network. And she told me that she's constantly in touch with them. She updates them. And that's fine. 
but she added me to her um, email distribution list, mm-hmm. which is one of the um, um, uh, hazards of our business. All yes. of a sudden, we start getting newsletters. Oh, yeah. This woman sent an email regarding our recent election and how the Electoral College could overturn it. And I was so shocked because you never, if you're looking for a job, you never discuss politics. No. So, you know, that's common sense 101. Yes. So I I sent her, and I wasn't being sarcastic. I wasn't being um, naive. I honestly thought she had been hacked. So I sent her an email, and I said, listen, I just got this from you. I can't, obviously you didn't send it out. You should be aware your, your account has been hacked. And it hadn't been. And she didn't understand what was wrong with it, but all of a sudden she discovered that she had friends who were not of her political um, orientation, mm-hmm. and it cost her. Never, sure. ever discuss politics. No. In fact, a lot of people were doing that, I noticed, on LinkedIn. Uh, and, and then I saw people responding saying, get this off of LinkedIn. And uh, oh, that it's, toned, it's toned down a bit. Yeah. There was a time uh, about a year and a half ago that a young woman out in Florida who has a successful bikini company, she sells mm-hmm. bikinis. She started posting pictures of women in bikinis. Mm-hmm. And she was vilified. Hmm. And a lot of us came to her uh, defense and we said, listen. This is a legal business. There's nothing wrong with it. This is Mm -hmm. how she is promoting her product. And she did a lot of different things. But, man, at the same time, you had the politics of the election. And Mm -hmm. you um, – then you'll have somebody who will post things of a uh, religious nature. And it's just – the thing is that they say that LinkedIn has become Facebook. Uh, And I I – I agree. In many, yeah. many respects, that's true. Last question. This is the scenario. Someone has, dis- has reinvented themselves. They've decided mm-hmm. they want a new career, mm-hmm. meaning they're going to start a new job in a new profession in a new industry. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. they have to convince an employer to hire them because they're not looking to start their own company. Now, okay. if you are reinvented, by definition, you're not going to be qualified for the job because you don't have the experience. So how do you advise a reinvented person, if you will, mm-hmm. to convince an mm-hmm. employer to take a chance on them and hire them? It's a great question. It's a really great question. And I'm going to try to answer it the best I can. Sure. Um it's really important, again, to note that reinventing one's career can take time, okay? So it doesn't happen overnight. So we're not talking, for example, or I haven't encountered yet a person that's, like, been an accountant their whole life and they want to become an astronaut, okay? It hasn't been that extreme. In most cases, we're talking about people who are getting in touch with certain values, skills, and passions, most of which they've already had, 
and redirecting them into a career that brings them more meaning and fulfillment. In some, in some cases, it includes some training in going back to school. For example, I spoke earlier about a, a client I'm working with who is a TV executive. So during our process, we've kind of culled out the many things that he loved about his job over the years and also some passions that he hasn't quite tapped in. He uh, working in a creative environment, collaboration, educating young people, and he's directing his focus on those things right now, skills and experiences that he already possesses, and he already has a certain clout within his industry. So he's talking about redirecting it not to the same type of job he had, but taking those skills within his job. So this is a little different than the scenario that that you described. And honestly, I have not yet worked with a person that is is more along your lines. Like for somebody that wants to become uh I I don't know, that was in IT and wants to become an accountant. Okay, and they go to a job and they see that well, you don't have the experience as the other people. I I haven't quite worked with those type of people. Generally, the people that I'm working with, like my surgeon, for example, my surgeon, um, he is taking his uh, expertise and his cloud as a doctor and staying in his industry, but redirecting it um, not as a surgeon. So I'm not sure if that answered your question or not. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a legitimate answer. I have no problems with it. Okay. I'm kind of tempted since you called him a, uh, you said he was your surgeon to ask if it was a <laughs> nose job or a facelift, but I won't go there. No, thank uh, you, no. The last question before I let you go, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? I can be reached uh, through email at hp at harrypritchett.com. My last name is spelled P-R-I-C-H-E-T-T. I can also be reached the old-fashioned way of t- telephoning me at 646-478-8220. And all of this contact information is available on my website at uh, harrypritchett.com. Harry, I thank you profusely. This was a great way to start the new year. It was, Bruce. Thank you so much. It was uh, a real pleasure. Appreciate it. The pleasure was was mine, and as always, a special thank you to our listeners, and I'm certain Harry joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week.